0: Are loved. Thank you very much for uh, for being here today. If this is your first time here, just know that you are loved as well. We don't want to leave you guys out. Thank you for joining us. Um, let's stand before we begin. Um, now, we, before we start our services, we have someone come up and share a testimony. Uh, I would like to call up my brother Ulysses Munoz, this great man of God. Yes, give a warm welcome as he comes up to share. What's up, everyone? Who's excited to be in church today? I'm excited. Woo! <clears throat> so I just want to share with y'all just something that's going on in my life right now. You know, uh, God's been doing great things, you know, and through it all, I realized why. You know, it's because, well, it's because uh, I had to acknowledge him and everything. You know, I have to acknowledge God in everything that I do, like at my job, at home, being a, a husband now, praise God, <laughs> and now being a soon-to-be father. But anyway, just we're just revealing some things. But anyway, what God's been doing now it's just awesome. You know, just how He's providing you know, for my family right now. You know, just the, the blessings that are outpouring. It's awesome. My wife is uh, two months pregnant now, almost three months, I think. So yeah, so it's pregnant now. And then uh, also I got blessed with this awesome job. You know, uh, even though it's, it's it's tough, but it's awesome. I love it. You know, and um, and I just been realizing, man, God, like you're so good. Like you never fail to provide for your for your children. You know, He loves us. And part of that, you know, is uh, I want to share right here. Proverbs 3, uh, chap- chapter 3, verses uh, 5 through uh, 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and all your ways to acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, it's just I was saying, like, trust in God. You know, when you trust him, everything is going to come out so smooth. I kid you not. It's, it's it's just sometimes I can't even fathom it, you know, just how God cares about you. When you trust in him, and that helped me out, so I just want to encourage y'all with that. Praise God. So I know we all. I'm going to pray for the service. Y'all can just bow our heads. God, we, uh, we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your congregation, God, you have brought together. I just pray, God, that you have your way, God. Anoint this service, oh God. Uh, love on your people, God, and show them that you are here, God, with open arms, God, to receive us, Lord. We praise your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
1: Sing it again, the moon and stars.
2: that we face. We sing hallelujah in our storm. We sing hallelujah in the midst of sickness. We sing hallelujah in the midst of a nation that is bent on sin. We sing hallelujah because Christ has overcome and he is risen today. Oh Jesus you are awesome in this place. You are awesome in our lives and we worship you. We give you glory. And praise and honor hallelujah hallelujah I want to pray for healing in this room today and I want to pray for salvation if you need healing I want you to lift up your hands or if you know somebody that needs a touch from God a miraculous touch from God I want you to lift up your hands or you're praying for loved ones to be saved we believe in the power of prayer we believe that God is all-powerful. We believe in a miracle-working God. He still works miracles today, friends. Do you believe? Did you come expecting to encounter a miracle-working God today? He is in our midst. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray for healing all across this room and every single person that we represent in our lives right now. Touch them. Heal them heal us let your healing flow oh God whether it be physically emotionally or spiritually and Lord we ask for our family our friends to be saved the ones we've been ministering to witnessing to sharing the gospel with Lord we need you come on guys I want you to go after Jesus today I want you to let him know what you need The Bible says that we could come before his throne of grace in boldness and confidence to make requests. I want us to go after God before we worship together again. Come on, let him know what you need today. We need to come expecting. We need to come hungry. We need to come wanting. We need to come thirsty, ready for the gifts of the Spirit to be loosed over his people. We want healing to be loosed. We want salvation to be loosed today. Come on, keep pressing in, keep pressing in. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost today and you speak in other tongues, I want you to lift up your voices today. Come on, we want the fire of God to fall. We didn't come to just do another religious service, we came to experience. God today. We came to have an encounter today. Come on, lift up your voices. Let's speak in tongues for a few moments. Somebody needs to catch this today. Certain things are taught and other things are caught. Somebody you guys need to catch this today in your spirit. Come on, keep pushing through. (laughs) Shotorobo to robo baba basi terre be be
1: ko robo to baba ko. baba Do church, we wanna be the church.
2: Jesus. I want us to give the Holy Spirit some space, some room to speak today. We want the gifts of the Spirit to flow. We are unashamedly Pentecostal here at Metro Praise, unashamedly filled with the Holy Ghost and believe that the Spirit of God can move through us, through gifts that he's given to us. So I want to open up the platform here. If anybody feels led to share a word, I want us to open it up and be sensitive to what God is saying today. Hallelujah, Jesus come on some of you guys need to rejoice some have to repent Lord we repent God if we have not come before you in the right attitude in the midst of our storms and trials we want to be found faithful we don't want to be found lacking or wanting when you return your word says will you find faith on the earth when you come back Lord we want to be a faith-filled people rejoicing And every season, rejoicing in every trial, rejoicing in the storms, in the valleys and the mountaintops. We rejoice in you, O God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have time for another one. Does anybody else feel led to share a word today? Hallelujah, Jesus. come on, you know who you are if that's you. You need Jesus to touch your heart. More than a physical healing, you need him to heal you spiritually. You need Jesus to save you, to make you new. I want you to respond. We're not forcing it on you. It's between you and the Lord in this moment. Don't let this moment pass you by. His presence is real. He is here. Reach out to him today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love being in your presence. We could be here forever. A taste of heaven, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for showing up today. We thank you, Lord, that we can tarry, that we could push through, that we could wait on you, oh God. That we can be still and know that you are God. Hallelujah. If you can, if you could take the hand of your neighbor. We're going to close out saying, uh, let's sing hallelujah. Let's hold the the hand of your neighbor. Let's lift up our hands together as a church body. Let's just sing this over our city. Let your healing come to Chicago, God. We sing hallelujah over chicago and you have overcome everything that our city faces we speak healing come on as we close out let's worship with all of our heart today of kings and lord of lords we glorify you we bless your name receive all the praise and honor and the glory that is due your name king jesus we love you lord we love you lord come on tell him you love him today he is good he is awesome and there is nobody like him hallelujah in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen give the lord a hand clap of praise Woo! welcome to church Praise the Lord. God is good. It's so wonderful to see all of you here. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us for our 1 p.m. service at Metro Praise International. It's lovely to have you all here. And for those of you who may that that have been new, you know, moving in the gifts, we believe in the gifts, as stated in, in 1 Corinthians. And, you know, the one that Rachel shared was actually. A tongue and she had an interpretation of that tongue and so it's very biblical very scriptural scriptural it may be new to you but we believe in that very much we could always experience the power of God wasn't that amazing to be in God's presence and to know that he wants to speak a direct message to our lives and for us to experience his spirit so strongly I'm going to preach the gospel to you this afternoon for those that may not know who I am my name is Nancy Rossik. I'm one of the apostolic elders here And we believe in preaching the simple message of the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves every week at the end of our worship time because we believe so strongly that nobody should ever come here and leave without hearing the message of Jesus and what he did to set you free and to save you and what you can do to respond to that. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So nothing in this verse says you have to do anything to earn your salvation. But it also doesn't say that just by believing in God that you're saved, because the Bible says that even demons believe in God, and they shudder at the thought of that, because they know it's real, What it says here is when you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Lord meets master, Lord means boss. So if you are here in this room today and you have not made Jesus your Lord, you have not made him the boss, the master of your life, where he dictates what you do, he dictates how you live, that you're not right with him. And there's two places that we go one of two places that we go to after we leave this earth. It's either heaven or hell, and both places are real. And the only way to get to heaven is by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that He died on the cross for you, and through your faith you shall be saved. Through your faith in Jesus, declaring Him to be your Savior, we must be born again. Amen. How many? Got, how many born again? Uh, saved people do i have today come on if you are not right with god i want to encourage you today is your day to get right with him so with all eyes closed all across this room i want to give you an opportunity as i begin to pray to come into agreement with my prayer and pray a prayer for your salvation to jesus and say god today i'm confessing you as lord i give you full reign i surrender god i pray that everybody in this room who's not right with you would surrender their life today, that today that would be their spiritual birthday, that they would declare you as Lord, that they would believe in their heart to be justified through faith, God, because it is only by the blood of Jesus that we could be saved. And I ask, oh Lord, that today would be a new day for them, a day where they have committed and surrendered every area of their life to you, confessed their sins, repented of their sin, and turned the other way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you please stand up to your feet with me this afternoon? We're going to be having prayer workers here in just a moment, and they're going to be available for you to receive prayer from during our fellowship time. And I really want to encourage you, if you mean business with God, and you want to get right, I want to encourage you to go receive prayer and ask them how to get plugged into the church how do i get discipled how do i grow in my faith amen at this time we're going to confess our confession of faith the reason why we do this every week is because it's our christian worldview this is how we see the world around us and this is what we stand upon so if you're with me who's with me come on on the count of three let's say it one two three i believe in one god and creator who is the father's son and the holy spirit the father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ Built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, it's of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Up for Jesus. Spend some time giving somebody a hug and a high five. Spend some time giving somebody a hug and a high five. All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church today? Come on. We're making it happen. God is good. So welcome to Metro Praise International. It's so good to be back. Thank you for your prayers. We had baby number five. It feels amazing to not be pregnant right now. But uh, we thank you. We love you guys. We're so thankful for a loving church family, and it's good to be back on uh, board here. So we just want to welcome you, especially if it's your first time. We have some new faces here. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids at the back for our children. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, you want to invite them to be here on Friday nights. You want them to be a part of our youth ministry. God's doing awesome, awesome things. Which brings me to our next announcement. Next Sunday... It's going to be our E-Sunday. Come on, give it up for our outreach. This goes into our soul-winning summers, uh, you know, building fun and all that. So you guys have been making it happen. So next week is our September outreach. It's going to be Elevate Youth Service. Both services are going to be run by our Elevate Youth Ministry, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's September 25th. And I just want to give a shout-out here to all of our teenagers. If you guys bring, whoever brings the most visitors, the top three, we'll have about $100 worth of gift cards given to them, okay? So a hun- up to $100 worth of gift cards for the three teens from Elevate who bring the most visitors. Is, is that exciting for some of you? All right. And then for every uh, parent, for all the parents who come with their teenagers, we are going to be giving you a $20 gift card. So teenagers, we need you guys to bring your family, your parents, aunts, uncles, grandmas, neighbors, anybody and everybody because the whole point of you guys running that service is still about souls okay so we want new souls to come in here so are you guys excited about that are you guys ready and then adults if you know your you know your your children's friends parents make those connections if you have neighbors who have teenagers make those connections you want them to be here next sunday so let's do it uh with all of our efforts with the effort of the holy ghost And we're going to fill this place up and we're going to see souls saved, especially the parents of our young people. Because we have so many youth that come on Fridays whose parents are not involved, who do not attend MPI. So please be praying with us as a church that as they continue to share the message to their families, that they will show up next week. Amen. Are you guys with us? Let's do it. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. Can you guys say that with me? Loving God, loving people. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. Look to your neighbor say, life groups. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel to the lost and dying around you so that they could hear about Jesus too. And our goal through doing that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago. Yes, that's a big number, but yes, our God is bigger, right? 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Look to your neighbor and say, get excited. Okay, so it's time to get connected. That's the first thing you want to do is get connected. Look, uh, if you turn your handout around, you'll see the schedule of life groups that we have. Find a place to get connected with you and your family. There's so many different types of life groups that we have to offer to you. So you never have to feel left out. You're always part of a big family here. Here's a snapshot. If you look up in the screen snapshot of what's happening this week today we're kicking it off with our marriage life group child care is provided here at the church 5 p.m they're going to whirly ball today so it's still the 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 quarter of date nights so they're gonna be at whirly ball if you have any questions you could uh see ricky in the back in the sound booth or rachel his beautiful wife raise your ha- wave your hands guys okay if you uh, are new and you are married and you want to go tonight ask them And then for those that have already pre-registered, make sure you guys do what you gotta do today to get there on time, okay? Uh, Tuesday, we have the Resistance Life Group. That's what I'm talking about, 11 to 18 years old. Married folks gotta beat that next time, okay? 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, King's kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. Let me just brag on this ministry a little bit. God is on the move, guys. We had 91 people here on Wednesday. Over 70 children for our Royal Rangers Boys Club impact girls club god is on the move in the lives of our young people so if you have children bring them on wednesdays thursdays are gang outreach 18 years and up 7 p.m if you have not been doing that do it it will change your life meet them out there and then every friday we have two adult bible studies one at the govea's house the other one at the vivid's house you have to be 18 years and up 7 p.m Beat them there, get refreshed throughout the week, get encouraged through the Word of God and through the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Then so we want to mentor you. Look to your neighbor and say, Get mentored. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book one on one to encourage you to grow in your walk with Jesus. You're not meant to do it alone. Jesus provided the body of Christ, His church, to grow with you, to help you, to encourage you. And then after you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is where we teach you how to be a leader one day, to train you, to encourage you, to build you up, to accomplish all that God has for you so that one day you could be ordained as a deacon or an elder in the church. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism. We believe very strongly in evangelism, street preaching, preaching the gospel on the streets, telling people about Jesus, complete strangers, Okay. Every Saturday from five to eight, we meet here at the church. They'll hit different. They'll hit the streets, different neighborhoods, and you'll just straight up tell people about Jesus, about the Bible that you've never met before, and you'll probably never see ever again in your life if they don't come here. But guess what? God has mandated us to go into all the world and make disciples. And making disciples means we got to tell them about Jesus because if we don't tell them, they're not going to know. Some of you guys want to see Chicago saved. It's going to take us save. Yeah, we need Chicago to be saved, transformed. Nothing is going to heal our, our city other than the message of Jesus. Jesus needs to invade our city. Every neighborhood, all the violence, all the gangs, everything that we're seeing, Jesus is the answer. And so we have to go. So to recap, MPI has a vision, loving God and loving people, strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. At this time, we're going to prepare for our tithes and offerings. You guys can look at the screen. We're going to be getting into our uh, lesson in just a little bit. But here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And an offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord. And we designate that towards missions and towards the building fund. I actually forgot my phone on the seat. So I'm going to be reading very carefully the lesson from the TV here. So if you want to follow along, the link is on our MetroPraise Facebook page. This is from the Disciples Giving Book. We're on Lesson 10. Stewards are multipliers. Somebody say, "I'm I'm a multiplier. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. How many of you guys, God has entrusted you with things? Come on, you got to prove yourself to be wise and to be a good manager. We're going to be reading from Matthew 25, verses 16 and 17. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Say multiplier. Multiplier. If you want to multiply what God has given to you, we cannot be lazy. We must work hard. So let's read the three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, put his money to work. Jesus wasn't a socialist that taught against private ownership or personal success. Rather, he promoted the principles of capitalism by teaching parables that exemplified individual prosperity and personal gain. His application was simple. If people use their talents and work hard for personal gain, how much should his disciples work hard and use their talents for kingdom success? How many of you guys have talents? And gifts that God has given to you. He doesn't want you to bury them, He wants you to use them. When you work hard and give God the glory to further His kingdom on the earth, you will multiply yourself. Amen. Number two, gained two more. Honestly, evaluate your life and ask yourself Have I used my talents and abilities to gain success to help support the kingdom of God? Have you done that? Your answer will determine your heavenly rewards. Remember, you are not saved by works but rather you are saved to do good works. And both salvation and good works are accomplished by faith. So we're not saved by the good that we're going to do with our gifts and talents, but we are saved to do them because we're going to bring glory to God the Father. And number three, are you a multiplier? Have you been successful at working hard on your job and using your talents to gain income? Have you been faithful then to give your best back to God? God has called you to be blessed to be a blessing. How many of you guys have heard that here before at MPI? We live by that. Be blessed to be a blessing. The more you give, God will give back to you. You'll continue to increase and you could give more to further God's kingdom. It's all about God and his kingdom and giving him glory. Let's be multipliers, amen? Here's a summary. Be a multiplier of God's gifts and talents in your life. Three ways you could apply this message. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes. 10% 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give above your tithe. Number two, ask God to empower you to multiply and succeed at all you do. How many of you guys want to be successful in life? By God's grace and power, that is us. You, you claim that, you speak that over your life. And number three, live by the principle, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's say that together. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's recite this confession together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Please stand up with me to your feet this afternoon. Let's prepare to give God our best today, our tithes and our offerings. Tithe, 10% of our total income offering. Anything we give to God after the tithe, we designate that here at MPI towards missions and towards building various mission projects throughout the year that we give to and the building fund of the soul winning summer. You guys are making it possible. God is on the move. Here are four ways that you could give here at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card, you can see me today after service. For that, four, you can go online and use Chase QuickPay, Quick PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Praise God. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant grace in our lives. And God, we declare that we will be multipliers, that we will not bury the talents and the the gifts that you've given to us, but that we will work hard so that they multiply in our lives, so that we can see your kingdom Uh, success on this earth your kingdom to grow so that you could receive glory God and that souls would continue to come into your kingdom I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver today multiply it use it for your glory as we win Chicago and the nations for you as we go and preach so the disciples could be made in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. amen and amen please come forward as you give today and we thank you so much for your generosity
3: ready to get it on. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Pull out your smartphone for me right now. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Pull out your smartphone. Open it up to Facebook. Does anybody ever put their face on the book? And you got to keep your face in God's book too, right? But I want you guys to do this. I want you to see some neat things that we're doing there. First thing I'd like for you to do is to um, rate the church. We are getting a lot of good feedback. People are actually finding us from facebook so would you do me a favor right now and rate the church uh five stars preferably if you don't want to rate it five stars then don't rate us no i'm kidding it is a free country you can do whatever you want but i would say rate us five stars just right now so you don't forget if you really love this church and then put something nice there so that people can look it up when they're on facebook you would be surprised like i said how many people find us there So rate us on Facebook. If you've already rated us, I want you to see once again that we are live. We're on live Facebook right now. Share it with your friends. Share if you care. And every week we are live on Facebook. So if you ever cannot make it, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, The other thing that I want to let you know is that if you like our page, you'll see that I always put sermons up there, little sermon clips. And then I have memes that go throughout the week that you can share with your friends as well, so check in if you haven't checked in. People see where you go. Rate us, please. We had about ten people rate us from last uh, service. We have almost—I think—we're now over a hundred ratings, and ninety-nine have given us five stars. Who wants to be the hundredth five-star rating? See if you can do it. Here are some of the things that are already up there. If you haven't visited this church, you need to. Five stars. The church is amazing with wonderful people who love God and love people. Smiley face. Bless everyone. Five stars. My home church. If you haven't visited us, come check us out. Little uh, question mark. I think we was supposed to be something else. Five stars. A place you feel the love of Christ through the love of the people who are there no matter who you are. Can I get an amen? Thank you. So take time to to do these things, and God will use it through your friends. So share us, rate us, and keep in touch with us there. Today's message is on Christian fellowship. In other words, we're going to talk about friendship today. Is anybody my friend? Am I your friend? Are you my friend? Okay, cool. And the whole sermon series this summer has been on spiritual disciplines. So we're on number 11 today. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And then next week Steve is going to preach. The youth group is going to take over the whole service from the worship to the announcements. And I cannot wait till you guys see the announcements the way Julian does it for Friday nights. He's like so large and in charge. He's so exciting. It's going to be fun. And then Pastor Steve is going to preach. And so even if right now you know teenagers who don't come, Bring them this Sunday. And then, all of you teenagers that come, we are offering those prizes just to bless you. You know, we've been spending money all on the community this summer. I want to bless your families and I want to bless you. So, if you bring the most friends or family members, you will get a $65 gift card. Second place is $25, third place is $10. Then, every parent you guys bring, or every uh, one parent or a couple will stand as a one, one family will get a $20 gift card. So if you've got a single mom, bring your single mom. If you've got mom and dad, bring them. Then they'll split the $20 gift card. But I want to bless your family. So mom, dad will get a $20 gift card. Then you guys can win a prize if you bring your friends. And why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? We, we've done Boat Fest over the summer. We did uh, two back-to-school outreaches. We've done um, so many things. Uh, the uh, All Nation dinner here where everybody cooked meals. This is what I want to do special for our young people. How many think if we're going to give out gift cards, if we're going to bless some people, we should bless our families and our young people. Can I get an amen for that? As a church, thank you, as a church we believe in our young adults and the families and so we want to bless them and we gave our children, children's school supplies and that and I want to bless some of these families. Okay, so Bring somebody you know next week. And I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to hate. I don't want anybody to hate. But Nathan just today in first service had close to 10 people. Just Nathan. <laughs> so Nathan may be getting that $65 gift card. He had almost this whole section. And then his mom said, we're going to pack out the whole section. So she's going for 15 20 deep. It's going to be amazing. But hey, give him a run for his money. Give him a run for his money. Y'all don't like to lose, right? Y'all don't like to lose. I know you're happy for him, but in all seriousness, and we're going to pray right now, even if just, for example, TJ brings his mom or dad, I think your mom's come before, right? Even if just your mom comes, that's going to be amazing, okay? I want you to be blessed. Marcella, even if just your mom came, is your, is your dad in your life as well, mom and dad? Just both of them. I want to see just if you got mom and dad to come, guys, okay? Let's pray for moms and dads and young people to come next week. Father, we lift up to you, Lord, moms and dads. We ask, Lord, that they will come and celebrate next week with our teenagers, that both the first and second service will be packed. Lord, that we will have an amazing, and amazing time, and that most importantly, God, those who do not know you, whether they be moms, dads, uncles, cousins, or friends, will come to know you through all that the youth and Elevate does next week. In Jesus' name, can I get an amen? Amen. So let's talk today about Christian fellowship by opening up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it's so good to have Rachie Rach here with Jovon. Not Jovon. Jovi. Let's give it up for Rachie Rach and Jovi. And as you can see, my beautiful Boobster Boo is with me. I just had our fifth child, and I was driving with Mama on the way to church today, and and I just missed her so much all these weeks that she didn't come. And I asked her, I said, how long has it been since you've been with us? Because I've missed you. I was like, has it been like six weeks? And she's like, no, it's only been two Sundays. And she gave me that look like like I should have stayed home today. But I had to drag my mom. I'm like, Mom, you got to come. It's not the same without you. And now, for the first time, our minivan is maxed to the the highest level. We have seven people in that minivan. Me and my my wife and I and then five children. Let's give it up for packing out minivans. Thank you. But uh, you guys have three, which is awesome. I think you guys are maybe just taking a little break, not thinking about a fourth, are you? No? You're happy. You got two boys and a girl, and is she doing good? Okay, that's cool. And literally, you can just see, we're talking about friendship today. Our little ones are going to be besties. And then you have a niece, right, that is a month old. I met her as well. And so if you guys have babies and want to bring them to the church, please do. We love babies, uh, and we love making babies. We love making babies. But don't make babies unless you're married. And then then you can do it and God will bless you. Let's look through our scripture here for today. And it's been our scripture all series long, coming to the end of summer. But just real quick, how many have been enjoying the weather? This weather is awesome. Let's just, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I love this weather. And so literally, we'll be ending this right around probably when summer changes. When, when does it actually literally become fall? October or four days? Somebody look it up and be sure because I, I want to trust you. Are you sure? The 22nd. Okay. So who said October? We still love you. We still love you. Okay. So this summer sermon series is going to end basically around that time. We timed it out pretty well. And then we're going to get into the book of John. Has anybody ever read the book of John before? It's a great book. I think you guys are going to love it. Okay. 1 Corinthians 9:24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners what? Run. Thank you, but only one gets the prize. How many get the surprise. One, thank you. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. Say it again. Strict training. One more time. Say it like you mean it. Strict training. Thank you. That's where we get the term spiritual disciplines from. You want to do something great for God, you've got to go into strict training. The application in real life, if you want to win a race, you better go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. How many are looking forward to that day? The day when we get rewarded in heaven, amen. Therefore, now look at this in literary terms, the word therefore teaches you why the information before proceeding in that section is therefore. So. Paul made an example of Olympians running, winning prizes. Now he says, therefore, I have told you these things because of this reason. That passage is therefore this purpose. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Now he makes it purp- uh, on him. He brings the purpose to himself. I'm not just running in life aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be what? Disqualified for the what? The prize. Now take this serious. Paul the apostle is saying, if I don't run and train myself like an athlete, if I don't fight like a boxer against my body, not your body, but against my body, I can get disqualified for the prize. If heaven is the prize, where do you go if you're disqualified from the prize? Hell. Do you want to get disqualified from heaven? No, you don't want to go to hell. When I say heaven, you say yeah, heaven, heaven. When I say hell, y'all say no, hell, hell. Okay, so does anybody want to go to hell? You want to go to heaven, right? So don't get disqualified. If that was an issue for Paul the Apostle, is that an issue for me? Is this, is this something I should take serious? If the pastor and the Apostle take it serious, are you in the pew supposed to take it serious? Yes. Yeah, so from the pulpit to the pew, let's not get disqualified. So the ideal would be if in the world of racing I get disqualified because I don't finish in time, then I need to make sure I don't get get disqualified in this race for not finishing and doing what I'm supposed to do. Let me give you an example. If you want to run with the big dogs and join a triathlon or an Ironman, which is something that I hope to do one day if I can get over hating to run, but I think I can do one of these mini uh, uh, triathlons, and I would actually be in the thoroughbred category because I'm over 200 pounds. You swim a mile and a half, bike 30 miles, and then you run a 5K. I can do all of that by God's grace. That's awesome, right? But the full Man, which is the extension of the full triathlon, it's a two and a half mile swim, a 100-mile bike ride, and then a full marathon. Now, watch. In both of these races, they'll let anybody join as long as they're not professional. Sometimes they have those professional meets. You've got to already be ranked and be professional to get in them. But the ones that meet downtown in Chicago, the other ones I've seen, they'll let you get in. But here's the thing. They have a cutoff time. Meaning, once you start that swimming, if you're not done in a certain time, you're done. Get off the track. You can't go no more. We don't want you in the way of the other people. We need to get this done, get it moving, shut down shop, go on to the next thing. Are you with me? You go to the bike riding thing. You ride in that bike 100 miles. You don't get it done. In two and a half hours, cut, done, shut down. We've moved on over here to the marathon. Are you following me? disqualified. That, see, a lot of times we think of being disqualified is I just do something really stupid and crazy. But what you don't understand is you can get disqualified by not making the right time. By not qualifying by the time. If you want to be in the Indy 500, you got to qualify, and they're qualifying pre-races. If you want to be in a lot of things, you have to qualify. And so sometimes we think that, man, if I just don't do crazy stuff, I can still do this. No, God is saying to you, you need to be on top of your game. You need to win the prize. Now, some then get it confused and think, well, I am saved by my good works, and that is not true. We are not saved because we are doing good works. We are saved by God's grace, but now by God's grace, we should do all the good works of God with everything in our heart. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor, what? As yourself. Thank you. And then Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And so just look quickly. To Hebrews chapter uh, 12, Hebrews chapter 12 tells you how you can get disqualified, and it is both. It's both and. The sins and the hindrances. Look at it right here. Here is the author of Hebrews, which we think was either Paul, one of his associates like Apollos, or someone else that was close to Paul because it has a lot of Pauline language. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you think of like a stadium there, we're surrounded by these witnesses, not like they're little saints as ghosts you know, floating around us, but that they're already in heaven because they finished their race and their stories are with, with us as a witness and a testimony. So since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you see that? There are two things that will hold you back in your race. One is hindrances. Everybody say hindrance. And then the next thing is sin. Everybody say sin. See, a hindrance is something that holds you back, but it's not a sin. It's not a sin to play video games, but if you play them too much, it's a hindrance. It's not a sin to date, but if you're dating the wrong person the wrong way, it becomes a hindrance. It's not a hindrance to have money. You put too much money in your life, more money, more problems. It's not a hindrance to like sports and watch games. You do it too much, it becomes a hindrance. Now, sins are the obvious sins for everybody at every time. It's always a a lie. A sin, a, a lie is always a sin for everybody, no matter who you are. But hindrances can change from person to person. It may be a hindrance for one person to watch a movie, and another person can watch a movie and say, I'm still a Christian, right? You may be convicted and go, I don't watch anything but Jesus, God's not dead, one, two, three, four, no matter how many of those they make, I'll keep watching them. And I used to be like that. I didn't watch non-Christian movies for eight years because that was a hindrance for me, but it wasn't a sin. Do you understand the difference? Adultery is a sin for everybody. But now watch this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you see the similarity between these two concepts? Don't get disqualified from the race and do what? Persevere and finish that race. Does everybody see that? And so one of the ways, once again, you can get disqualified is not just because you murdered somebody. You can get disqualified if you just give up and stop running. You won't qualify in the time trial. You can get disqualified, not because you're carrying a gun to the race, but because you wore a winter jacket to the race. How many know if you try to run a 5K with the winter's jacket on, it's not a sin, but the amount of heat that that will put on you may cause you to pass out. Are you listening? Just like it's not a sin to do something stupid, but stupid things will hinder you in life. It's not a sin to uh, go spend your money on things that don't satisfy you God says it's okay if you want to have things that are, are pleasureful in your life so let's say you like to you know every now and then treat yourself to a Twinkie or something like myself you know like I like to get these things Little we get these cupcakes the other day and what's my favorite kind though a zinger I like a zinger better than a Twinkie because it's less cake more filling and has a little icing on top I love zingers it's not a sin But if I keep eating zingers, I can't blame God for the way my body has come into. And then if it hinders me in doing other things, the fault is my own. Not a sin, but I've hindered myself. Does everybody get that? I wanted to spend special time there today because strict training is what keeps us from that. Now, what are these spiritual disciplines? You guys probably know this. We've gone through it before. The The commands and practices of disciples show in their life to grow spiritually because they know God. Let's look at the ones we've gone through before. If you love them, if you like them, if you're excited, I want you guys to say amen when I read them. Bible reading, amen, amen. that's a good discipline. Family order, amen. scripture memorization, soul journaling, amen. discipleship in Christ likeness, Christian service, public evangelism, spiritual meditation, financial stewardship, today Christian fellowship. And then after Pastor uh, Steve preaches to us, last but not least, church involvement, Amen. amen. That's what we'll learn about why it's so important to come to church and be disciplined. Put it all together. You guys will only see this chart two more times. Then collectively, that means you have seen it 13 times in a sermon series, and if you are paying attention... It was the outgrowth of our sermon series, Spiritual Growth. If you remember, we were in a former series called Spiritual Growth. Spiritual Disciplines was a part of it. And I actually was going to take on these lessons in the Spiritual Growth Sermon Series. But that would have been like a 30-week sermon series. Because the Spiritual Growth Sermon Series by itself was almost like 10 messages. I just got to see how many it is. How many want to see how many? Come on, say amen. Y'all need to remember these things, Pastor. Be working hard for you guys. Here's how you find these messages. Let's take a look at them here real quick. Sermons, go into series, videos and notes. Let's see how many I did on spiritual growth here. What did I just do? It always starts off like this, doesn't it? It looks like it's going to be easy, and this is where, like, Pastor, why are you messing with it? There it is. I clicked it too much. Okay, we've had 11 spiritual disciplines. Eight. Spiritual growth. So we would have been, by the time this is done, it's going to be 13 or, um, oh yeah, because it was two parter. 12 plus 8 is 20. It would have been a 20 lesson series, but I broke it off. Everybody say, broke it off. I broke it off from this sermon series right here for your viewing pleasure. I did that because I loved you guys. I wanted you to take a breath in between these things. But now let's look at the chart one more time. How was a person saved? Are they saved because of their strict training? No. They are guarded from losing their salvation and their strict training. How do you get into the race of God? Start your journey with God by being born again through faith. That's the knowing. No matter how much I would ever read my Bible, no matter how much I kept my family in order, no matter how many uh, of these things I did and no matter how good I would be at these things, I could never earn salvation. Now, think about it when you put that into your life. This should not be a burden to you. This should be a joy. So because I love my wife, I do nice things for my wife. So take, for example, she has our fifth baby. She's been at the hospital. She comes home. She's still doing all that she can around the house. I mean, she's just amazing. And then all of a sudden, I go to Walgreens to make a little daddy run, you know. And there I see 12 roses, a dozen of roses. Do I have to buy those roses for Mama Bear? Is anybody forcing me going, you better buy those roses? No, I buy those roses for Boobster Boo because I love her. And then I walk down that little chocolate aisle, find her favorite chocolates, bring it home, take a picture of it, put it on Facebook so everybody can know I'm a good husband, (laughs) making deposits so I can make withdrawals, the little trick. Got make a lot of deposits. So anyways, did I do that because I had to? Did I show my love to her because I wanted to prove something? No, 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 no. Or I had to do something. No, I showed my love because my love was genuine. My love is sincere, and my love has an action to it. No one's forcing me, nor do I feel forced to do it. I do it because I love her. So how do we get saved? By knowing Jesus. Is Jesus your God and Savior? Amen. Then by that you are saved. By that uh, confession of your faith, Romans chapter 10, that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So now you are saved and you start the race with God. In that race, you want to be obedient so that you can finish it and see him in heaven. Now, what else do you need to believe? You need to believe that you share in the divine nature of God. That once you were saved, you were changed. Second Corinthians uh, 5.17 says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So that's really what happens. And then number three, you can do all that God commands. So that's why knowing plus showing equals growing. Because if you grow up, you can go up to a whole nother level. Some of y'all knew and not wanting to say it. Y'all need to say it with us. Go up to a whole nother level. So we, we grow up to go up. Grow up to go up. So where do you get goodness from? You get it from salvation and being obedient to what God called you to do. You just don't start off saying, I'm going to be good and do nothing. You say, God, I've been bad. Make me good and show me what to do that is good. Now I'm good. Do you get that? First I know that I need a Savior named Jesus because I was born naughty in nature. Then Jesus saves me and puts me in the divine nature. And now he says, this is what children of God do. They read the Bible. They pray. They go to church. They write down the things from their heart, etc. And as they do that, what happens? Their life changes. So everybody wants this. Everybody in the world wants this. Unless they're psychotic, everybody wants that. There's nobody that doesn't want goodness. There's nobody that doesn't want knowledge. There's nobody that doesn't want self-control. Everybody wants these things. The thing is, how do you get them? You get them by being born again. And then obeying and being obedient, knowing and showing. That's how you grow. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. So today we're going to talk about Christian fellowship. Let's think about what Christian fellowship is like. A wise man once said, a new friend is like new wine. When it has aged, you will drink it with pleasure. Now, we don't encourage underage drinking or drunkenness here, but the Bible speaks well of wine. And the Bible speaks about wine fermenting and it going from grape juice to what we now know as wine. And Jesus made the best wine. Jesus was the life of the party when they ran out of wine, Jesus made gallons of wine. And when the man who was in charge of the party drank the wine, he said, most people bring out the good stuff at first. After everybody's all well drunk, they bring out the bad stuff and nobody knows the difference. But you have saved the best for last. How many believe even though it's 2,000 years later since Jesus rose from the dead, he saved the best for last? How many believe the power of the Holy Spirit is still here today? And even though we're in second circle, Jesus come on has saved the best for last that'll get you excited I believe that in this last generation we'll see more than anything has ever been done more souls more healings more miracles the best has been saved for last that's the principle of the Bible and so what we look at in the Bible as we compare it to wine is that we need to be open to new friendships That's wonderful. We can't just get in a clique and say, you know, it's us four and no more. You don't belong to the cool girls club or the the cool dudes club, you know. We need to always be open to new friends. But we need to keep new friends around so that they become our well-aged, fine wine friends. And what's funny about this is you never know the kind of communion you're going to get around here at our church because our communion ages. It comes as grape juice from the store, but after the grape juice has been sitting around a while, you may taste it one day and be like, hmm, maybe I'm getting a little little chardonnay on this thing. And then if it stays around too long and turns bad... It will then turn into vinegar. You don't want any of that, right? And so the idea is, is that you have to have the right process in which your friends age well with you. You don't want the wrong friends hanging around and holding you back in life. And you don't want to just stay immature your whole life. So you want to be able to make new friends, always be friendly, and keep good friends around you to age well. How many people want to age well? Amen. Okay. Now the Bible teaches us that good friendship and fellowship is what the uh, disciples did in the very beginning. So go to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. You'll see this is a a biblical word, fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And it's, you know, more of an older way of saying it. We'll call it friendship today, but at least I want you to see the word fellowship It's actually in verse 42, rather. Acts 2, verse 42. They, talking about the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? Fellowship. Fellowship. If you want to know what that Greek word is, it's a very cool Greek word. Uh, jerry who were praying for her brother he's right now in a very um, bad place with cancer she had to go be with him in arizona jerry is the most fellowshipping gal that i know she actually has this greek word tattooed on her arm and i'm like that is perfect for you that is so perfect and the greek word is koinonia everybody say koinonia and tony where does she have it is on her forearm On her left wrist, yeah, left wrist right here. Yeah, very cool, very appropriate for the kind of person that she is. And so the word we have, fellowship, that literally means shipping with the fellow. So there's a fellow, there's a ship, you're doing it together, you're shipping with the fellow. Uh, We would call it, you know, fellow driving or fellow texting or fellow whatever. And uh, that's how these words got formed over time, a bunch of people hanging out on a ship. But we now can hang out in a whole bunch of different ways. But these guys literally were on a ship here. But that's where our old English word comes from. But what they were doing was having koinonia. They were participating as friends in each other's lives they were breaking bread together they were eating and praying everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and the believers were together and had how many things in common how many things everything look at your neighbor and say everything Come on, everything. They sold property, possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, praising God. Isn't that a cool thing to do? Enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. How many think we always should be growing as a church? And thank God that we are. And so let's think about this now as it comes to your life. Have friendships gone wrong? Has it always been that picture? We're loving Jesus. We're praising God. It's so awesome. Everything is awesome. My my kids have this song in my mind from, you know, the Lego movie. Everything is awesome when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. You know, and then this one guy comes on and he's like, you're awesome. Everything you say is awesome. This stick is awesome. This rock is awesome. We're awesome. And everything is awesome. Is that how it is in life? Is everything always awesome? No, sometimes good friendships end badly. Why? Because of sin, usually in the form of offense, jealousy, hatred. And not all friendships are good for us when we spend time with the ungodly. Some of you are hanging around with the wrong people. Maybe they're nice people. Maybe they're not going to do mean things to you, but they're not influencing you the right way. We need to learn today how to be righteous and have the right friends in the right place. I want to show you an awesome graphic that I made that I think will put it all together. Everybody say the circles of friendship. Ah, I love this. I made this for you. This is beautiful. It's what pastors do in their spare time. It's what I do for work for you. All these wonderful colors, and we're just going to talk about this today. I'm so eccentric right now. I don't know why, but I'm just having fun. The circles of friendship. Maybe we could say it like this, the circles of friendship. That sounds weird, huh? The circles of friendship. So we're going to talk about the circles of friendship, but look to this Bible verse, Proverbs twelve twenty six. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Everybody say, carefully, carefully. Okay, By the way, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We, if we're going to be righteous, we need to choose our friends carefully. The way of the wicked leads people astray. So let's look at this. Let's start with intimate friends, the heart, okay? Now, what I would like you to do is turn over your announcements. Get out that piece of paper. Ushers, would you come by with some pins if you don't have one? And I want you to write down people's names in the little pictures you draw. I want you to draw this out on your notes, please. And uh, put in the names of the people you have. If not, write it in your phone, because I'm going to put this back into our sermon a little bit later. Intimate friends have your heart. Draw a little heart, and put two or three people that would be the closest in your life. This should be your husband and your wife, and we just had a new wedding, married couple in our church, and they've come back from their honeymoon, Augustine and Nandri. (laughs) Woo! He better put, Nandri is an intimate friend. Now, let me just say this off the, right off the bat. All of your family members may not be close friends. This is sad but true. I am not very close to my brothers and sisters nor my cousins. I have friendships in this church that are much more closer than that. But I'm hoping that many of you today have uh, either your spouse as an intimate friend or just really go- close people, Okay. Now, an intimate friend is someone you're going to share your heart with and the deep secrets of your life. Close friends are close, a little bit different than intimate friends, but they're still very close to you, and you share life with them. It's a bigger group. It's a bigger circle. These are the kind of people that you want to be with every day if you could. Some of them you may even work with right now. The next circle that's a little bit bigger is your good friends. Now, a difference between a good friend And a close friend is that a good friend you may not see or hang out with as much because it's more interest-based. Where your close friend, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You just got to be with them. That's ride or die. And an intimate friend is somebody that has deeply touched your life in a special way. It's a unique way. And it's not even like you're playing favorites. It's just you've looked at your life and down the the road you've traveled, and there's just been maybe a few that have touched you in, in really deep ways. Casual friends... Would be kind of like those you work with, those you go to school with, those maybe in your extended family, cousins every now and then you hang out with. And then lastly, acquaintances may fit into your Facebook community, to places where you go, your neighbors, you know, and you're like, yeah, I think I know that guy, oh yeah, I go to gym with him, he, you know, he's a nice guy. As you could see in life, you're going to have a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people you're around, but then out of that group, you're going to make some casual friends. From your casual friends, they could become good friends, close friends, and then intimate friends. And as you're filling in these names, I want you to see that I have an arrow going in both directions. This is to give people a pathway to move in and out of your life. I want to teach you a couple principles here. The first one is I want to teach you the principle of adios. Everybody say adios. Now, you got to be patient with your gringo pastor. I'm going to teach you as they've taught me in Dora the Explorer, the TV show my kids watch. So everybody go, adios. You need to learn to give people the gift of goodbye. Let's say there's a husband and wife, and they love each other. They are very close. They are intimate friends. But the husband cheats on the wife and leaves the wife. The wife needs to say, adios. And let that man travel out of her life. It may not be easy as the heart is broken, as things are hurting, but you need to let people leave your life. Let's say that uh, there's a boyfriend or girlfriend in a relationship, and one gets saved, as my wife did. The first thing she did after she got saved at the youth meeting she was at, is she went back home, and what did you say to that boyfriend? Adios. Because she just knew he wasn't the right one for her. And I'm so glad she dropped the zero to get with the hero. Here I am. And guess what? I was a pastor dating a girl in Bible college. Surprised her in Minneapolis. She wasn't expecting. Her family said, go pick up someone from the airport. She didn't know who it was. It was me. She broke down crying, not in a good way. And she confessed to me that she had been cheating on me. Guess what I said to her? Adios. Now, let me just say this about the gift of goodbye. Some of you complain about those who are in your life and how close they are and how much they can hurt you, but what you don't understand is you've allowed them to be there. You have taught people how to treat you. Say, for example, you have friends that always come late, and you've allowed them to do that. One day, leave without them and start to teach them another way of how to come right? Because if they keep coming late and they're expecting you to be there, one day y'all leave and go to the park without them or go to the movie without, they're going to realize I can't be late with this person. So you teach people how to treat you and never feel like you've got to keep people around. There is no problem with letting even the closest intimate friend go back to being an acquaintance. Adios. There's also another thing that we need to know about this, and that's, hola. Everybody say, hola. I know it sounds cheesy, but say it with me. Hola. And that means you got to be welcoming in your life to make new friends. Sometimes we get hurt in life, and I know as a pastor, I can feel this way. All of you, most, I should say a good percentage of you, are new to the church within a few years. That means if we would rewind the tape of MPI Church 24 months, nobody would be here. 24 months ago, 24 months ago, you didn't go to Metro Praise, most of you, and all of that. Well, guess what? There were people before you that came to this church that laughed at my jokes. (laughs) Ha, 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 he's such a good pastor, said nice things about me on Facebook, and for whatever reason, wanted to leave my life. And I had to say what? Adios. Hey, the bus driver has people get on the bus and get off the bus. He don't stop driving the bus, though. Some people get in your life, out your life, choo, choo, just keep on going. Amen? Make room for those that need to be here. But guess what? If I let that bother me as a pastor, I would become bitter. And then now when someone new would come, I would say, oh, I wonder if they're going to hurt me like the people who came before them hurt me. And that's why you got to learn not only to say adios, but you have to learn to say hola. You have to learn to welcome people back into your life because you never know. Someone right now who is an acquaintance may become one of your closest intimate friends. Isn't that special how life is? And so God gives us the opportunity to send people on both, uh, both ways on the track. And so when we look at this, we can see an example of Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus loved everybody. He didn't play favorites. But you can see this circle of friendship with Jesus. Let's start with the acquaintances. This would be like the crowd. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, right? Those were people Jesus shared space with. They came around to hear him. a lot of them. But you know what? The crowd would change their opinion about him quite often. Sometimes they loved him. Other times they wanted to kill him. And one day the crowd did shout to have him crucified and Barabbas released. Then you look at Jesus. He had more than just acquaintances. He had casual friends. About 500, the Bible says, saw him after he raised from the dead. This is very special. So they shared moments together, the moment of the resurrection. If you remember the book of Acts, says in the day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered together when the Holy Spirit came. Those people were a part of that 500. So Jesus had casual friends that he really spent more special moments with. Then it gets more smaller as you go into good friends. I don't know if you knew this, but in the Bible, it says there was about 72 people that followed Jesus, and he would send them out to go promote that he was coming and to prepare things for him. It even says at one time, he sent out the 72 in groups of two. If you divide 72 by two, how many pairs is that? 72 divided by two. How many pairs is that? 36. Jesus sent out 36 pairs of people to go preach the gospel, witnessing in twos is biblical. Now, those shared the same interests of Jesus. They were always with him and said, we want to help you build your kingdom, Jesus. Then Jesus had close friends, which he considered to be his 12 disciples. How many remember the 12 disciples? It says out of those 72, Jesus picked out 12 and appointed them to share life with them. That means when he would go to sleep at night, they would sleep in the same room or vicinity with him. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, it says out of the 12, Jesus had three favorites. Now, sometimes we don't like the idea of favorites because we think favor is unfair. But in God's kingdom and in friendship, favor is always fair because God favors those who favor his cause. Meaning it like this. Just because you married your husband doesn't mean you're not fair to all the other men. Your heart is only able to favor so many of those in your life, one man in particular. Then for me, one wife. And as friends, I can't have a lot of people in my life in intimate places. I just don't have the capability, nor do anyone else. So God... uh, Jesus, rather, looked for three that really favored what he was doing, really were quick to get into what he was saying and to believe it. And those he pulled away into special moments, intimate friends. This was Peter, James, and John, the three. So, for example, Jesus had the 12 with him, and he said, I'm going to go up into a mountain to pray. Who did he bring with him? peter james and john and there jesus turned into the pre-incarnate image the divine image he had before he was born of a virgin the father began to speak and that special thing that was to jesus was shared there from his heart with his disciples his real identity Then we see that when Jesus was about ready to be betrayed by one of his close friends, because people like that can betray you, Judas, Jesus goes with his 12 to pray, minus Judas, that's 11, but then he pulls out three and says, you guys come closer and pray with me now, like almost like in a prayer huddle. That was Peter, James, and John. Sadly, they fell asleep. But we see that Jesus had these three intimate friends. So Jesus is our example as a friend. Not only did he teach us what it was like to be a friend, he showed us that all of us could be in his heart and share this time with him. Because as the divine nature of the Holy Spirit is with us, we can all be intimate with him. That's one of the reasons why Jesus ascended to heaven was so that the Holy Spirit could be intimate with all of us instead of the God-man only being able to be intimate with three. Do you see the difference? Jesus, if he would have just stayed here as he was, he would not have had the same relationship he does by going to the Father because he said, I have to go to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. That was the relationship that they had. Here's a couple things I want you to think about. In your circle of friends, do you have non-Christians in places where they shouldn't be? That's one of the things I want you to think about because a lot of where our problems come from is by allowing the wicked to lead us astray. So let's say you're in a dating relationship. Are you dating a non-Christian? That's okay with sex before marriage. You've let someone into your heart, into your life that shouldn't be there with the morals that they have. Do you have friends on your job that you consider close or good friends, but yet they're willing to cheat or be corrupt like, I messed it up, Uh, Blagojevich, what is his name? Blah, did I get it right this time? I just got it wrong in my head, I guess. Blagojevich, he chose the wrong friends, didn't he? Corruption, corruption. And so what we see is that no matter from where you're at in life, if you allow the wrong people into the wrong places of your life, they can hurt you. The five worst memories of my entire life are a direct result of me being around the wrong people. The five worst memories, experiences that I've ever had. Now, my parents had taught me this because I was born and raised in a Christian home. My parents would say, look at your friends, Joe, because that's your future. And they would say, Joe, you are who you hang around. And I didn't believe them. They would teach me the principles of birds of like feathers flock together. You never see eagles in a hen house. And you never see chickens flying on the wings with eagles up on mountaintops. Hello, somebody. But I didn't listen. See, I thought I knew better. As a 13-year-old skateboarder, I was hanging around with the older kids, 16, 17. Yes, they had already started to drop out of high school and do drugs. But I was going to be different. I like them. They're nice. They understand me. We hang out and have fun. But guess what? What happened over time? I drop out of high school. I do drugs. And so some of my... Or all of my worst memories come from peer pressure and from me being around the wrong friends. When I lost my virginity, terrible memory of having sex for the first time was because I wanted to try to prove to my friends I knew how to have sex. The first time I was arrested was because I was with the wrong friends. The first time I almost OD'd on drugs, crystal meth, driving out in the country, doing more than ever should have done. All drugs are bad, but the amount that I did under their pressure had me OD, and I heard them saying, let's drop him off here in the cornfield so we don't have to put him in the hospital. We don't want to get in trouble. And I remember praying to God that the Lord would revive me. The first time that I had to go to the hospital and get stitches, I've never had stitches in my whole life. Out of all the crazy things that I have done, skateboarded and, and uh, biked and mountain biked, all of these things, even to this day, the only time I've had to be taken to the hospital was when we were breaking into gas stations. There was a, a one that we threw a brick through and we thought we could go through it. And then my friend says, kick it, kick it. And I go to kick down the glass and it goes right through my leg. He then drops me off about a block from the hospital. I have to walk to the hospital, and then he doesn't come and get me, I have to walk a mile and a half afterwards with 30 stitches to my car. The first time that I got arrested in real trouble from selling drugs was my friend when I were in a car. He was lighting fireworks, driving his own car. I said, what are you doing? You're an idiot because he was high out of his mind. Then I start driving the car. Now he has two hands to do fireworks. We get pulled over. Police officers' guns are drawn. They find drugs on me. They arrest me. They put me in the back of the car, give the keys back to my friend and say, stop hanging around with bad kids like this. You see, it's because of things like that that I can say where my friends led me down the wrong path. Now, you may have not been a drug-using teenager or doing wild things, but look at some of the trouble you've gotten into in life. Look at some of the fights you've gotten into. Look at some of the places that you've been, especially those who have gotten pregnant outside of wedlock. See, you let somebody into your life that didn't respect you enough to marry you. You see, these are the things that happen in our life when we let people come in. We find ourselves in places like this. Now, is God a good friend? Yes. Will he help us through our troubles? Yes. Does God love single parents? Yes. Does God love those who have criminal backgrounds? Yes. But how many of us want to live a different kind of life? Amen. So friendship is very important to us. Now, look at what Jesus said. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So let me say this today. If you're here and you don't have a lot of friends in this list and you're blaming it on other people, I want to tell you that may be because you're a weirdie. It may be because you're just weird. And weird people make excuses for not having a lot of friends. Now, I'm not saying a lot of friends makes you a better person. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be mean. But I have met people at all stages of our church where they go, Pastor, there's just nobody here that can be my friend. And I just try. And I'm like, no, they're trying to be your friends. You're just weird. You talk about yourself all the time. You complain all the time. You're self-centered, self-focused. And you don't want to share life together. And then you blame others. But it's yourself. Now you may say, Pastor, that's mean to a weirdy person. No, that's the best thing I can say to a weird person. You may say, what if they're dealing with with issues? Let's help them through their issues. If it's medical, let's help them get on medication. But here is the deal. Do not be a weirdy and say that is God's best for you. God wants you to be like Jesus and have a circle, of a a great circle of friends throughout your whole life. God wants you to have intimate friends. If you're in this church and you say, I cannot find intimate friends, if this is all our church was, which is way more than this, let's just say this is all it was, you could find friends right here. You can find friends. Well, they're not as old as me. They're not as young as me. They're not as cool as me. You're weird. You're weird. Stop being weird. Well, I come to this church all the time, and nobody says hi to me. They do say hi to you. You don't hear them. You walk with your head down. You don't pay attention. You're always self-absorbed. See, people like that, we think we should feel sorry for. We should help but not feel sorry for. Listen to me. Depressive thinking is a self-centered mindset. Jesus was such a good friend that he was friends with sinners. Jesus was such a good friend that Jesus was friends with enemies. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. You need to be a friend like Jesus. So if you go, Pastor, that's just not my personality. I'm a loner. Stop being a loner. Stop being weird. Start being likable. Start being hangoutable. Start being easygoing. I was talking about in the first service, one of our pastors, when I first met him, always had a weird look on his face, always talked to people looking down, mumbling to himself, and always felt that he didn't have enough friends in his life. And one day I had to tell them, I'd say, you're just weird. You look weird. You don't act the way God created you to act. And he said, What are you talking about? And I said, Don't move. Don't move that expression. Let me take a picture of you. I took a picture of him and I said, This is what you look like. I'm not talking about being unique. I'm not talking about us having a different style. We're all weird in our own ways, please. Don't get me wrong. I mean, have you ever just been in the grocery store or wherever telling yourself a story and then you find yourself laughing out loud? <laughs> And then you look around and people are looking at you and you're like, I did just laugh to myself, didn't I? Let me just go back to my phone and pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, we're all weird in our own ways. But no, I'm talking about people who don't understand the image they project and then they blame others for being lonely. You won't get away with that in this church. Jesus called you to be a friend. Jesus told you to smile. Jesus told you to care about others. If you don't feel like anybody's being your friend, the Bible says make friends with others. Do for others what you want to have happen to you. So if you're one of those people that says, well, I don't have any friends here, I'll go shame on you for not making friends. Because there's enough people for you to make a friend with. You can make a friend. And then if you say, well, I don't want to be friends with me, find somebody that does. Find somebody that does. Because it will come down to whether or not you want to be a good friend. Now, should we pick on people because they're different? Absolutely not. But I do not want you to think here that friendship is not a command of Jesus that takes spiritual discipline. It does. I have to decide to be friendly every time I come to this church and make new friends. I don't stay to myself. I don't make it all about me. And I won't make my proclivities or uniqueness something that uh, projects a persona, like pushes people away. I want to bring people in. And so if you go through the notes, I have uh, all of these five things listed out for you in a little bit more detail that you can see. Notes are always online as well. How many like to see 10 uh, biblical traits of a good friend? You all ready for this? Amen. I still love weirdy people. I love you if you're here and you're weird. You can be weird, but just be who God called you to be a good friend. I had one of the best friends a man could ever want when I was 18 years old when I first got saved. He was a man named Donald. He was about in his 60s. He lived in a nursing home. He smelled. His wife wore diapers because she was uh, sick and had mental issues. But he was my best friend. Do you know why? Because he saw me as a teenager in the church by myself at a prayer meeting, and he said, I want to be that guy's friend. He had no idea what I was going through. I was alone. I was coming off of drugs. I felt rejected by my my non-Christian friends, the Christian world didn't really have anything for me, and this man was so nice, so friendly, that I never said to myself, he's an old man that smells. I never felt weird being around his wife, and that was very uncomfortable for me at those times, and I have sympathy for that, but I never felt weird going to a nursing home where he lived and hanging out there playing pool. Why? Why? Because that was my friend. So listen to me very carefully. I am not judging by appearances. I am saying if you are weird the wrong way, you're not being Christ-like. Because it doesn't matter what your background is, you ought to be a friend. You're commanded to be a friend. You're commanded to do exactly what they did in Acts chapter 2. Get together with friends. Praise God together. Eat meals. Win the world to Jesus. That's what you and I are commanded to do. Amen? Here's 10 ways that we're supposed to do it. So if we, want to be, if we want good friends, we need to be a good friend, don't we? Do you understand how that works? Do unto others what you would want to have done unto you. So how many here want good friends in their life? How many want to have an awesome friendship with people in their life? How many want to take vacations with their friends, travel with their friends, eat with their friends, praise God with their friends? So start by being a good friend and do these things. I'll go through them quickly, and then we'll go through the scriptures. Number one, be reliable. Number two, be wise. Number three, be loving. Number four, be not easily angered or easily offended. Number five, be teachable, be sharp, be sacrificial, be good, be righteous, be godly. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's talk about being reliable. Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the closer than a brother friend that you will have, and you can make great friends in this world that will be closer even than your siblings. I've already experienced it. I have friends in this church that are a hundred times closer to me than my own siblings, and guess what? But if you don't do it right, unreliable friends will bring you to ruin. How many of you have felt, felt some pain in life because of unreliable friends? Let's be honest. Be reliable, And bring reliable people close to you. Another thing to think about is this. A lot of times we think love is letting people hurt us the same way over and over and over again. That is not love. Jesus said what? Adios to a lot of people. Doesn't mean that you're stuck up. Doesn't mean that you think you're better than them. But I said adios to my brother when he started cursing at my mom, treating her bad. When my sister started drinking alcohol and abusing it in front of my family, smoked in my house. Adios. You want to come around? You want to do it this way? You're going to do it our way. This is the way we do it. You see, and I built a good friendship with others in my life. And my own brother and sister, they can decide if they want to be my friend. But they will have to be reliable because I will not let them ruin my children's lives life or my life you won't do that around me my sister just got drunk the other day as a 50 or well, a couple months ago maybe a year now uh, got drunk walked right out in the middle of traffic got hit by a car almost died do you have to understand if i would be around that you would be around that we're putting ourselves in that same danger my other sister died drinking and driving it's not a game to me serious choose your friends wisely somebody say amen Next Number two, be wise. Walk with the wise, become wise. Be, uh, be a companion of fools and suffer what? Harm. Once again, this is not just for young people. This is for all the old people too. You will suffer if you hang around fools. The older you get, the more foolish people become. You say, no, I did my stupidest stuff when I was young. No, 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 I beg to differ. I have watched men throw away a marriage of 20 years for some woman they just met. That is Foolish. That is so stupid. And I've seen women do the same thing to men. I've seen people abandon their families. I've seen people throw away their whole careers as we talked about political corruption. You can go through life and get stupider as you go because stupid is as stupid does. Keep walking with the wise and you'll walk wise. You won't be able to hang around with me and keep operating in folly. Otherwise, you'll be unreliable and you'll be lying. Because if you're doing things that are a folly, hanging around a good friend, you'll become wise. You go, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't treat my wife like that. I remember when I first got married, uh, my friend, one of my friends said to me, he's like, man, why is your wife always here, man? Why can't we just hang out with the dudes? Because I'm like, I like my wife more than you. My wife is my best friend. Of course, I still like doing stuff with guys, but my wife is my best friend. You're not my closest friend. My wife is. There's not a place I don't want my wife to be. But you see, you hang around fools at the bar. They'll tell you all the time, well, it's just good to get away from the wife and kids, blah, 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 you know. But you'll talk to the guys in the locker room. Well, I'm glad I'm here, Pete. being at home, watching the game in my underwear here in the locker room. No, you're a fool. You're a fool. You understand you're a fool. I want to walk with the wise. I want to work with the man that says, I can't wait to get home to my wife and kids. I want to walk with the person that says, Man, I can't wait to do more things that are positive and the things that God says are good. Be loving. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This doesn't mean a brother's going to pick on you and make your life hell or bring adversity. It literally means a friend's always going to love you, and a brother is right or die, should be there to fight with you. And here's the good thing about the Bible is that your friends can become your brothers. Paul calls us brothers and sisters in the church, and I've got a lot of brothers that ride or die with me here. Amen? Friend loves at all times. You don't give up on each other because you face hard times. Remember, it ages well like wine. You're patient with each other. Love is patient. Love is kind. All of those things operate into the friendship realm as well. Not easily angered nor easily offended. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person, Proverbs 24-25 says. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. I remember hanging out with a young kid in church. I was always about this height from about 15 on or about six, six, one. This is how tall he was. He got me into at least three different altercations. This guy was hot-tempered and was this big. I remember coming out one time from a club with the, woo, the sirens everywhere, and I just heard my friends were outside, and all of a sudden, they're pointing fingers at me from the other group, I didn't even know what had happened, but I guess that group got in a, friend with, a fight with my friends, and I got pointed out as being in their friends. I was arrested, and I didn't even do anything. I literally was walking out of the club, then I get arrested at 18 years old, shouldn't even have been there, then my parents have to come get me from Lake Tippecanoe, that's where I was at. Get arrested. Bring your boy home. Don't let him do this again. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, you know, it was the other guy's fault. Never understood. It was my friend's fault. It was my friend's fault because they were hot-tempered. Maybe they met other hot-tempered people, but that's how we ended up in the mess we were in. How about being teachable? you got to have a friend that listens. They can't be a know-it-all. You shouldn't be a know-it-all either if you want to be a good friend. Look into this one. This one is so good. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You see, right now, if I wanted to cheat on my wife, am I going to go hang out with Ricky, one of the elders from the church, and be like, Ricky, I met a girl at the mall. I think I'm going to leave my wife for her. Is that a conversation Ricky and I are going to do? No, because Ricky's going to rebuke me. Ricky's going to be like, say what? That is stupid. Don't do that. So who am I going to hang out with if I want to start cheating on my wife? My neighbor who drinks beer all the time. I'm going to hang out with him. I don't want to talk to anybody from the church. I want to talk to my sinner buddy. And I see this all the time in church. People leave church. They didn't understand me. Metro Praise doesn't love me. They don't get me. Everybody here gets me. Everybody here understands. They don't understand. Well, what did you do? Well, I cheated on my wife, wanted everybody to accept it, and these guys said I was in sin. You know what they did? They loved you. They loved you. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. So that means if you ever hear from somebody in this church or used to go to this church and they go, Pastor said this or that, you need to stop them and be like, shh, shh. shh. He loved you. He loved you. And it's the same thing that you'll see people do in your life. It's not just the pastor. The moment you have to tell them no, or the moment you disagree with them, well, you're not really my friend. You are my friend. You would support me. No, no, no. I support everything positive that you do. I don't support your sin. Well, if you loved me, you would come to my same-sex marriage because that's what friends do. No, 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 no. I'm not going to your same-sex mirage ceremony. I love you, but I'm not going to support you in your sin. But you see, the wounds of that friend can be trusted because you know they love you. But the kisses of an enemy will always lead you astray. Well, pastor, I'll go to this other church, and this pastor will tell me this. No, but that pastor is the enemy of your soul. See, if the pastor doesn't speak to your soul and give you the truth, then he's the enemy of your soul. You see, that neighbor friend that I have, that if I was cheating on my wife, he would be like, Well, I've thought about it too. Good luck. That's my enemy. The one who tells me the truth is really my friend. Are you listening? The one who tells me what I want to hear so I can stay in sin, that's the enemy of my soul. Be sharp. Everybody say be sharp. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You hang around people who are sharp for the Lord, they're going to sharpen you. You hang around people who love Jesus, they're going to ask you to achieve your dreams the right way, to go through life as a conqueror, not to cheat, not to compromise, not to give up. They're going to sharpen your dreams. They're going to sharpen your focus. You're going to feel like when I'm around them, I become better for it. Sacrificial. This is a theme of our military, especially the Marines. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for one's friends. We lay down our life for our friends, don't we? We care about them. We pick up the phone when, when, when they call us. We're there when they need us. We do whatever it takes. Why? Because we love them. That's true friendship. We don't gossip about them on Facebook. We don't use them for our own benefit. It's mutual. I got your back and you got my back. Now, I mean this in all sincerity because I love you as your pastor. I don't want to pick on anybody. If you don't have friends like this, you need to ask God to give them to you. And if you've been in this church for a while and you don't have them, you need to repent. Repent and become a great friend for somebody today. Be good. The Bible says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. This is where we talk about if you marry the wrong person, don't come to me when y'all ain't getting along, you know. I can still help you, but I can only help you so much. Come to me before you marry that person. Come to me before you date that person. Because the bad character of them will rub off on you. Sadly, so many people try to change others. It's not your job to change people. It's your job to preach to them, to love to them. And if they don't want it, adios. But never be misled. Everybody say, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character every time. Every time. I remember working with these guys doing scaffolding downtown. And, uh, you know. They were all together. We were right by a a modeling agency, and these women were walking by, and literally, just like the stereotypical image of construction guys, they started whistling at these ladies. And then I'm like, guys, I don't like that we're doing this, you know? And of course, that sounded dumb to these real burly Chicago scaffolding guys. And and then they were like, "Why? what's wrong with you, you gay? You know, something weird like that, they said to me. And I was like, no, I'm married. And then they were like, we're married too. It don't hurt to look. You see, how long do you think it would take for me to be around those guys that they would influence me if I didn't guard myself? Those of you who work in those environments, make it your prayer. Lord, let me change them before they ever change me. Lord, I pray they get convicted for their foul mouth, their foul jokes, their perversion before it ever seeps into my heart. I can be of this world, but not in this world. Amen. Be righteous. Here's a better way of saying it, an even more clear way. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. This yoking idea is when they would plow the fields, they would put two oxen together. Don't get yoked up with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, a pagan God? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So some people have said to me, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in close relationship with this one guy. Should I start a business with him? And I'm like, no, nope, don't start a business with them. Because when hard times come, you guys are going to settle it different ways. Go into business with Christians. Do it the right way. Be close to those you can trust because you have the same standard of morality. Now, will Christians let you down? Absolutely. My girlfriend was a Christian when she cheated on me. People act like sinners and are hypocrites all the time. You give them the gift of goodbye and keep going, but you don't break the principle. Believers are my closest friends. Believers are my most intimate friends. And then lastly, everybody say, this is where it gets real. If you didn't think it was real before, now it gets even more real. Listen to what it says in James. Be godly you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the what with the what the world means enmity war against god therefore anyone who chooses to be a friend of the what becomes a enemy of who of god you better make sure you got the right enemies and the right friends the devil's my enemy and every mindset that's with him. I love the sinner, hate the sin. Every mindset of this world is under the power of Satan. Some of you think what I'm saying is too much to bear, and so you're going to be friends with the world and friends with God. God says the moment you did that, you became an adulterer. The moment you did that, you created a war between you and him, and now you are his enemy. Do you want to know what the good news is? Jesus loves his enemies. Jesus loves us. He will plead with you through the gospel, through the preaching of the word, to divorce yourself from the enemies. Let me give you a quick example. My friend I helped raise up in the Lord in New Orleans is married, uh, you know, has a great life. All of a sudden his wife leaves the Lord, leaves him, has an affair, lives with the other uh, other man now. And here's what I'm sharing with him is that the moment she left Jesus, She left you. It wasn't the other way around. No one can serve God and cheat on their spouse. And then he said, now she's denying that she loves Jesus. She doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. I said, bingo, bango. Even though some may not be as brash as she was and go, well, I hate God and I hate you, the idea is always the same. You turn your back on God, you will turn your back on me. You stop being loyal to God, what you think you're going to do to me. But if you are faithful to God, even though we got disagreements, even though we may not always get along, you and I will make it through this. We'll stay friends because we got God that holds us together. And what God has joined together, not only in marriage but in friendship, remains together. God's called us as a church to be a part of the building that he's building. Literally, the rocks and the stones, he puts one upon another. And so when we stay close to God, we will stay close to each other. The moment I can see people getting off with me, because I know I'm not the funniest guy, the best looking guy, the best speaker, but I know I can always tell in the church when people get easily agitated and it just goes too long and how their father's man. It's always, son's not right with you and God. Because you came to this church as a dirty, rotten sinner. And God loved you and saved you and cleaned you up. And you didn't seem to mind the preaching then. But now when you went back to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you went back to your ways of sin. Now this stuff bothers you. Now just this little thing annoys you. It shows you that you have lo- this person has left their relationship with God. Can I get an amen? If you love God, you'll love his people. The people of God are the bride of Christ. Did you know that? This building is not the church. The people are. We are the church of Jesus Christ. If you say you love God but you don't love the people of God, you're a liar. You can't say you really like me and dislike my wife because everything about me loves my wife. If I'm a good person, I'm saying that you know my wife is good. I mean, we're not talking about people being criminals. My wife was a criminal. But listen, think of about it like this. If I know who my wife is, And who she is is what I love. You truly can't love me and hate her because I love her. There's a cutoff somewhere. And if you came to my house and said, Joe, I love you, but I hate your wife, you're not coming in. And if you think you're going to go to heaven and say, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your church, you ain't getting in. Jesus said, we know those who love God. uh, Or Rather, John said, we know those who love God by their love for one another. Anyone who says he loves God but hates his brother is a liar. The Bible says that that's why there can be no racism in the Bible. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. If you say you love God but you hate a race, you are not of God. And so we need to take this serious to be good friends, not judgmental friends, and help our friends through all of these issues that they may have. Let me say this from C.S. Lewis, and then we'll close out. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, Wait, you too? I thought I was the only one. Think about that for a second. You too? That's what friendship really is. It's sharing life together, taking off the mask, being real, saying, Really? You go through that too? Or you have those kinds of dreams? You have those hopes? Or you see the world this way? I do too. That's where we begin our journey. And isn't it amazing that the Bible says Jesus came to earth And said, I will be like you. The Bible says he took on flesh so that he could relate to everything like us. And so when you see a story about Jesus, and it says, weary he was and sat by the well. As Jesus was weary, he sat by the well. You could go, Jesus, you got tired too. Jesus, you relate to this. Jesus, when you prayed, I don't want to go to the cross. If there's another way, let this cup be taken from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You mean Jesus in your flesh. You felt a temptation to not want to do it the Father's way. You too. You can see encouragement there. Brothers, would you come and move this, please, and let's have our altar workers ready. I want you to think about how we began our our talk. Would you stand with me, please? Tony, can I get Tony up here for me real quick wherever he went? Tony, these brothers still need your help with this just to remind you of that as well. And is Rachel here and Stephanie? Thank you. I want you to think about what we got into our mind at the beginning. Remember how the disciples were fellowshipping and, you know, we got that word fellowship, knee at the beginning. Okay, now watch this. Jesus was on earth, but then he went to heaven, right? Okay. Before he left, he told them this. He said, where there are two or three of you, gather together. What did he say? I am there in the midst of you. Two or three of you gather together. There I am. You have to have friendship to have the presence of God, to really experience it. Now, God can do it individually, but as he said, he never said individually, I'll do all of those things, which I know he can. Don't get me wrong. But what he said was the greatest manifestation of his presence when he said, literally, I will be there. It's when two or three of you are there. What do you think he's meaning by those two or three? The same two or three that he would have with him when he goes to the mountain or when he would go to pray. He was teaching us that intimate friends are the closest thing to heaven you'll ever have on this earth. Come on. You all need to let that Revi set into your heart. That's why I'm so against that loner spirit. I'm so against that. Because that loner spirit, that weirdy spirit, will have you think that it's okay to be alone. And God did not say it was okay to be alone. God said you were made for relationship. And so before Jesus came in the flesh in the Old Testament, you got it right, brother. In the Old Testament, he would show up and meet with Moses. And the Bible says he would talk to him face to face. Then he would hang out with Abraham as a friend. This is how it was. But in the New Testament, Jesus wasn't about the loner. Jesus was about the two or three. And then he taught them, he said, when y'all imitate this, When two or three of you men can get so close and intimate that you will share life together, you will take off the mask, put down the guard, allow each other to rebuke each other, be honest with each other, reliable, sharpen each other, be godly and righteous. Jesus said, I will be there. I will be where the intimate friends are, two or three. He says to the husband and the wife, just like I was with Adam and Eve, just like I walked with them like a friend in the cool of the day. When y'all get together, two or three, in my name, you, your wife, your children, I'm there. I am there. Put up the words for this song, please. I am there. And so, friends, I need you if I want Jesus to show up in my life like how he did with his disciples. I need a close friend. I need intimate friends. I need people that I can get close to. I need that. You need that. And so we're going to sing this part out right here. Come on, get it ready, gentlemen help them Nancy I need you to help them second service needs some help everybody stretch your hands and say help them Lord you guys can do it I know you can we're going to pray for those friends in just a moment but I need you to get this words of the song because God gave it to me in the second service y'all going to do it right because I will will take that guitar and sing like nobody's business because this brought so many tears to my eyes in first service I need second service to get this The only way the devil can tear us apart is if he gets us apart. That's the only way. He cannot come against you at two or three. Because the Bible says a two-strand cord is impossible to break or it's hard to break. I get one strand of string, I can pull it easily. I, I wrap that string together, it can't be pulled apart. When you you think about who the devil's going after, he's going after the one that's on their own. The one that's either making friends with sinners all by themselves, hasn't stood with God, or the one that separated themselves from good friends and says, I'm just a loner, Jesus loves me. See how long that lasts before you get in defeat. But I want everybody to look up at me, please, as we learn this. Thank you, gentlemen. I need this to go right because I want some of you all to go to a place with God you never have. But this is where it's going to start. It's going to start with you thinking about your friends. And it's going to start with you going, if they're not in the right place, I need them to get out of that place because I've got to make room for those that God has for me. If I never would have broken up with that woman, I wouldn't have felt heaven in my life. If my wife wouldn't have broke up with that man, she wouldn't have got to where she is now. If I would have kept hanging out with my friends, I never would see what I see now. And so I want you to hear what the Lord gave me. I've never been closer to heaven than I am right now. Go ahead, please start singing. Hear these words of the song. Come on, hear it, please. Turn down these lights a little bit. Come on. Closer to heaven. Come on. Come on! I've never been. I want you to think about that. Turn down these lights right here for me, please. A few more times. Come on! I've never been. Just think of it as you're hearing these words.
1: Closer to heaven.
3: One more time, I've never been. I've
1: never been closer
3: to heaven than I am right now. You cannot get anywhere closer to heaven than you have the potential of right now. If you can't get close to heaven right now with the two or three that are here, You're missing what God created you for. So what I want you to do is I want you to first pray for those in your life that you have considered friends that haven't loved Jesus. And I want you to pray that they'll join you in your relationship with Jesus right now. Keep on singing it. And as they're singing it, I need you to take it up. Take it up. Come on. Whoa. Whoa. Come on. Now I need you all to pray
1: friends today Jesus come on
3: excuses in this place. This is where I'm going. You are now going to pray to be the friend that God, God called you to be. Then you're going to find friends to pray with here. Husbands and wives and others. And here's the deal. Some of you loners, some of you by yourself, you're going to have to get with other people. You're going to have to open up your heart and be willing to be a friend, hold a hand, and to pray for God to show up. Because if you didn't come with a friend, you can make one right now. Ricky, I want you to stand next to this brother. This is your uh, brother right here. Right, Ramon? This is you guys' are brothers. Come stand next to this man right here. Come stand. Look right here. Look at what I'm saying. Go stand back there for me. Because we are going to do this. Look at me, Augustine. I want you to join this man right here. And then Ricky, I want you to be over here. Now everybody just put up your hands with me. Come on. We're going to sing it one more time. Now I want you to pray for your own friendship. For you to be a good friend. Jesus. I think some people are confused, so I want everybody to get this. We're going to pray for ourselves first. Then we're going to pray for the one next to us. Y'all ready? Okay. Jesus. Make us the friends. I just want you to sing right now. i missed you so much. I love you, but I need you to sing it nice and softly at first as we pray. Can we do this? Thank you. Just keep playing your guitar, though. Everybody put up your hand. Say, Jesus, make me a friend that sticks closer than a brother or sister. Make me a friend that sticks closer than a brother or sister, Jesus. Come on. Because you got to have it to give it. Than I am right now A little bit louder for Rachel, please few more moments, pray Right now, God, change my heart If I've been a loner, change me If I've been a hard friend to get along with Change me If I've been hurt, change me Come on, some of you have been hurt Ask the Lord to change you Change me, Jesus Jesus
1: Jesus Jesus to heaven
3: okay okay y'all ready now this is what we are gonna do everybody is gonna get with people to pray with two or three right now I need you to go in that back row get with them ladies right there I need you gentlemen to lock up I need you two to lock up right here Ricky go behind you with Ramon and them lock up you girls right here but you could join her come on everybody 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 get this young lady your daughter right here Get this young lady right here, either in your family or this way, one way or the other, family or friends. Right here, Nancy, grab a hold of the dressler sister right here. Grab her right there. Get her. Get her. Come on. Everybody look up at me. You are not alone. This is now. Everybody get this. This is not make-believe. It's so passionate of my heart because I'm a pastor and this is what I live for. You are the closest to heaven you will ever be right now this is heaven you say pastor I've had dreams of heaven no this this is heaven tell me what heaven is then heaven is God and his people God and his people it is not God and you by yourself heaven is God and his people God and his people love God and love people and some of you right now need to let go of your heart your hurt open up your heart and even though the person next to you may not be the most intimate friend but they are somebody that's willing to pray with you right now to let you know you are not alone and you will make it through this world you will come out of the other side more than a conqueror and so right now friendship friendship